Well, glory. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys today. Thank you for, for getting out and about on this beautiful Sunday morning. Um, it's it's going to be the week this week is what they're telling us. Enjoy every moment of sunshine that you can. Uh, tomorrow's 80 and then it goes downhill from there. And so <laughs> praise ye the Lord in all things give thanks, right? And uh, so Brother Terry, get ready. They're going to be making a run on the grocery store tomorrow. Not a one of you better go to Walmart. You better go straight to Homeland and, and buy from Brother Terry, okay? I'll get my cut later, bro. Just pay, pay your ties. Pay your ties. Okay. <laughs> oh, God's good, isn't he? Isn't it good to laugh? It's good to celebrate him. Why don't you stand with me this morning if you can, if you'd like to. We want to pray. I need the ushers to come. We want to take a moment and receive our offering today. Exciting stuff's going on. Exciting good things are happening. And so I want to be a part of all that God's doing, and I know you guys do as well. Let's pray today. Let's give God thanks and glory for who He is and what He's doing. Father, we love You this day. We thank You and we praise You. Thank You, Lord, for the opportunity to give in the building up of the kingdom. God, I pray that You'll bless every gift, bless every giver. And God, bless those who aren't able to give today. Lord, we, we pray that You bless them with an abundance so they can. Lord, we give You the honor and the thanks and the praise ahead of time. We ask it in Jesus' amazing name. Amen and amen. God bless you in your giving.
one more time. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Understand me, you understand me. 
That's the emphasis of that word. That's the emphasis of that song. He understands us. As I was praying last night, as I laid my head on my pillow, I began to, I always seek the Lord on the service and how to open the service and what to say and how to say it. And man, that exact thought bombarded my mind. It it bombarded my, my spirit. He understands us. He gets us, right? He gets us. He understands us. The book of Hebrews says that he was tempted in all points as we are, but he's without sin. That that means he had the opportunity to to go through all of life's issues just like we do. Isn't that powerful? 
think about this just for a second. He was betrayed. He understands what it feels like to be betrayed by somebody so close and so so intimate with him. One of his own 12 that he took in and taught personally betrayed him and did it with a kiss. He understands what it is to lose somebody he loves. He was close, personal friends with, with Martha and Mary and her brother Lazarus. But Lazarus passed away and, and, and Jesus saw the, the hurt of, of Martha and Mary and Jesus himself would have experienced that same hurt, the loss of someone so special. John the Baptist, when he was beheaded, he lost him. He, he loved John. They, they knew each other. They worked together in ministry. And Jesus understood what it meant to lose somebody you love and care about. He knew the, the sun shining down on his face. He knew the cold wind blowing at his back. He knew the things that we go through and experience. It makes it so easy to say, Lord, here's my stuff. God, here's my junk. Here's what I'm struggling with today. Lord, I know you understand it. I, I know you get it because you've been there. I know you've gone through it. You've been tempted in all those things. You, you've been encountered by all those things just as I'm going through it now. I want you to know something today. You can cast it on Him. You can give it over to Him because He cares about you. I'm not going to call for a prayer line today. I'm not going to ask for prayer warriors to come and, and, and agree with you. But here's what I'm going to ask for today. If you walked in the door and you've got one of those things, and you think nobody else in the world understands it, nobody, nobody knows what I'm going through but me. Nobody's ever been there. Nobody's ever gone through that except me. I want to assure you that somebody's been there before you. I want to assure you that somebody understands what you're going through. And I'm going to ask you this morning, if you walked in the door with a burden, you walked in the door with a, with a care and a concern, why, why don't we just take time in this service today and make our way to the front of this room and, and, and stretch across the front of these altars and just by way of a, an offering unto the Lord, lift up whatever that burden is and say, Lord, I release it. I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. Lord, you're bigger than I thought you were. God, I give it over to you to take care of, to, to mend, mend and heal. Why don't we take this opportunity today and turn this into a time of prayer? Come on, all across this room, find you, find your spot and surrender it onto the Lord today. So I throw all my cares before you. My doubts and fears don't scare you. You're bigger than I thought. You're bigger than I thought And I stop all negotiations With the God of all creation You're bigger than I thought you were You're bigger than I thought So I throw all my cares before you My doubts and fears don't scare you You're bigger than I thought you're bigger than I thought And I'll stop all negotiations With the God of all creation You're bigger than I thought you were You're bigger than I thought you were You're bigger, Lord, than I thought you were 
worship and praise amen amen turn and greet someone let them know you love them you're glad to see them today Thank you, Lord. Oh, he's good to us, church. Thank you all for being here this morning. I appreciate you so very much. It's good to look around and see your smiling pretty faces. Uh, even, even you old hairy-legged boys, it's good to look around and see your smiling pretty faces. Uh, God's good to all of us, isn't he? 
I'm, I'm glad that, that he's with us this morning and I'm glad that you're here. Um, I, I've got two very important uh, messages uh, that the Lord's laid on my heart for this day. Um, I, Vonda told me I shouldn't, but I, the Holy Spirit said I should, so he always outranks her. He always outranks her. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm declaring today as Steel Toe Sunday, um, both, both Sunday morning and Sunday night services. Uh, if you don't have steel-toed boots, you might want to go find somebody that's got a pair. Um, uh, both, both services today, uh, I believe, are directly from the Holy Spirit. Um, I will not preach anything that I don't think God tells me to preach. Um, but, but I also understand that sometimes, you know, we like, we like those peppy, you know, feel good, you know, make me feel good about me messages. But uh, the, the truth of the matter is the Word of the God is, is there to correct us and to direct us and to, to help us to grow and to mature and to develop. And uh, sometimes, sometimes growing and maturing and developing is not always the easy route to go, right? And so we, we want to be who God's called us to be, living in the time that He's called us to live and doing the things that He's called us to do. And uh, so I'm going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit uh, more so than, than my wife or anybody else. And so uh, I, I thank the Lord that He gives us the opportunity and the platform to, to speak His Word. I want to worship Him one more time as we go to Him today. Uh, prepare your hearts and, and prepare your spirit, and that's done, I believe, through worship. I know we've already done that by the aid of music, but, but we also can do that just simply through our voice. And so today, lift your voice and begin to give Him praise with us. Come on, all across this room. Father, You are mighty. God, You are good. God, You are holy. God, You are righteous. God, You are true. God, Your Word is unfailing, unrelenting, unending, unyielding, unchanging. God, you're faithful uh, from generation to generation. God, you're good and your mercy it endures forever and ever and ever. I thank you that you are the lion of the tribe of Judah. I thank you that you are the bright and morning star. And I thank you, God, that you're bigger than we even thought you were. Lord, we love you today. We bless you. We glorify you in Jesus' amazing name. And all of God's people agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap together, please. How many are thankful this morning for the life-saving power of Jesus Christ? His life was without sin, His death on Calvary, His resurrection. The, uh, he has brought the power to save. He has brought the power to heal. He has brought the power to resurrect. He, he has brought the power to deliver. He, he's got the power to, to protect and to provide. He has the power to fill with, with His Spirit from on high. Come on. All the power is in the hands and in the name of Jesus Christ. How many agree with that much of the Word so far today? Our God's a good God. How many would agree with that much of the word today? Our God loves us and He wants the best things for us. The, the reason that He sent His only begotten Son to live that life without sin was because He is a good God. The goodness of God was the reason that Jesus Christ came. The, the goodness of God was the reason that Jesus took stripes on His body. The goodness of God was the reason He went to the cross of Calvary. And the goodness of God was the reason that tomb was empty on the third day. Come on, the goodness of God is the reason Jesus Christ endured all that He did. And the goodness of God is the reason the Holy Ghost has been poured out. The goodness of God is the reason why He's coming again soon and very soon. 
Not only is He good, not only is He almighty, but, but the fact is He's coming again soon and very soon. He's returning for a bride without spot. He's coming back for a church that's awake. Come on, He's coming back for a church that's alive. He's not coming back for a, a dead, redundant, just going through the motions church. But He's coming back for a bride who's, who's bought oil and trimmed her lamp, watching and waiting and ready for His return. We are that last day's church. The book of Matthew chapter 24 verse 37 says, But as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Listen, I submit to you today that surely these are the days of Noah. Surely we're living in the days of Noah today. Uh, the, the fact is, from the idolatry to the immorality to the, the backbiting, the betrayal, this crazy upside-down world that we're living in today where one time things that were called good are now called evil and the things that one time were called evil are now being called good. Listen, surely it can't be long until Jesus Christ returns for His bride. Thank the Lord. I put all this stuff together and I... The thought that hits my heart and the thought that hits my mind is this. The question the Holy Spirit imparted in my, my heart and the question the Holy Spirit imparted in my spirit this week is why? Why? Why would people know the power of Almighty God and not want to live for God? Why would people, why, Brother Hubert, would, would people understand the goodness of Almighty God and still want to walk around with sin in their life? Why would people understand His soon return and want to walk around with sin in their lives? Why would anybody in their right mind continue to live in, with sin in their life with all the knowledge and all the understanding? And listen, you can say what you want to say. Well, maybe somebody just doesn't know. Maybe somebody just doesn't understand. The Bible says that all creation reveals the glory of Almighty God. They've never been to a church. They've never heard a preacher. Well, friend, they can look up in the night sky and see the power and the authority of the hand of Almighty God at work just by looking at His creation. Why would anybody want to continue to live in sin? Why would anybody want to take the chance? Why would anybody not want to know the love of God? Why would anybody want to continue to live in disobedience to the Word and the, the mercy and the grace of Almighty God? Man, I've spent some time pondering this thought. I've spent some time praying about this question and, and how the Holy Spirit would have me present it to this, this body of believers, these people I love so much. Why would somebody continue to live in sin knowing the penalty, knowing the punishment? Why would somebody continue to live a life of sin knowing the goodness and the grace and the mercy of Almighty God and, and knowing how much He loves them and how soon His return must be? Why would anybody continue to live in sin with all the knowledge that's available to us today? Well, friend, the only explanation I could come to, the only reasoning, the only answer that I could find is the only thing I know is they must not be in the right mind. They must not be in the right mind. There must be a sense of insanity. See, sin started in the garden and it's still going on today. Pastor, you told me you was going to step on my toes, so I'm going to be quiet today. That's fine. I'll get down here and walk around with y'all. Sin started in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. That was the beginning of sin on planet earth. Man fell because of his disobedience to the Word of God. 
And sin still is running rampant in the world today. It's still going on. It's, it's still happening. The, the Bible says that, that man has chosen darkness over the light, that, that, that the love of God was revealed, but they, they chose the darkness instead of the light of Almighty God. That sin nature, that sin mindset, that sinful action, that, that sin that began in the garden is still going on today. Well, friend, if, if we continue to, to follow after that lifestyle, if we continue to live a life of sin, if the world is still caught up with the, uh, with the idolatry or the immorality, the, the backbiting, the gossip, the slander of sin, then, then friend, I'm telling you, it's nothing but insanity. To have sin in your life and to know it's wrong is insane. Yes, it is. I want to talk to you this morning as the Holy Spirit will allow me to about the insanity of sin. Find your Bibles if you would. We're going to the book of Mark today. Don't be downtrodden. We win in the end. Mark chapter 5 verse 1. The word of the Lord says this. Then they came back to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gardenines. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the, the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling place among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because they had often bound him with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart and the, the shackles broken into pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And as always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you, by God, that you do not torment me. And he said to him, Come out of this man, unclean spirit. And then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, My name is Legion, for we are many. And also he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. And a large herd of swine was feeding near there on the mountain. And so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swines. And there being about 2,000 of that herd. And they ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And they all drowned in the sea. Let's pray together. Father... Lord, I need your help today. Lord, there's a sense of urgency about this message. There's a, a sense of urgency about this day. Lord, there must be a, a transformation. There must be a change that's made in our society. There must be a change made in the world. And God, I believe it must start with your bride. It must start in the church. Lord, let me be the, the minister of the gospel today that you've called me out to be. And, and God, may the people be receptive to hear your word. Lord, let there be no hindrances. Let there be no interruptions. But, but God, may your word and your Holy Spirit rule and reign in this room today. God, I love you. I, I'm desperate for you today. Lord, have your way and be praised in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you join me in giving our God another hand clap of praise today, please? Thank you, Lord. Jesus Christ is coming, church. Amen. Pastor, you tell us that every service. Yes, I do. I wouldn't be your pastor. I couldn't be your pastor if I couldn't tell you that every service. Jesus Christ is coming, and He's coming quickly. He's coming soon. Oh, pastor, I've been hearing that ever since I was a little boy or I was a little girl. Friend, I don't care how long you've been told that. 
I don't care how many different preachers have told you that and how many different ways they've told you that. We're closer today than we've ever been before. Matthew chapter 24 speaks of the days of Noah. Jesus Christ gives a very vivid depiction of the things that would be unfolding in these last days. Friend, we're seeing exactly these things unfolding today. I talk to you continually about watching man in conflict with nature. How many understand it's getting very difficult to tell a difference in the seasons in the world we're living in today? There's natural uh, events that are unfolding. There's, there's volcanoes. There's tsunamis. There's, there's events, tornadoes that are happening uh, on an ever-increasing rate. Jesus talked about man in conflict with nature. Friend, we're watching that unfold in our world today. He talked about man in conflict with man. My heart was broken this last week. And I'm not taking a political stance. I'm not telling you uh, right from wrong. I'm not trying to say vote for this one or that one. But the events that unfolded in Canada this last week were heartbreaking. With the events that took place over the summer a, a year ago where buildings were being burned and those protests were called mostly peaceful, uh, where people were losing their lives in those protests, but it was being called mostly peaceful. And then a whole bunch of truckers get together and decide they're going to make a stand for freedom. And just to use the word freedom is called a racist. Listen, we're living in a mixed up, confused world where man is in conflict with man and it's ever growing, it's ever getting increasing, it's continuing to go stronger and stronger. That's not even speaking about Russia and Ukraine. My personal opinion is this, the United States of America ought to take care of America before we go trying to be the policeman for the rest of the stinking world. Oh, they just turned us off on Facebook, but that's okay. I didn't come to preach to Facebook today, I came to preach to you. The fact of the matter is we're watching man in conflict with man, we're watching man in conflict with nature, and we're watching man be in conflict with God. We've gotten to the place where church has become an institution of entertainment. It's all about what we can offer, it's all about the lights, the glitz, the glamour, the fog machines. Listen, people don't need more junk, they don't need more programs, they don't need more light shows, they don't need more fog machines and padded pews. What they need is the truth of Jesus Christ. We're living in a world just prior to the return of our Savior. Thank God for the hour that He's chosen us to live in. I believe the world is searching at the same time. One of the truths I've told you from the time God called me to be your pastor is that that everybody is searching, everybody's hunting, everybody's looking for something. And what are they looking for, pastor? They're looking for that thing that will fill that God-sized void in the middle of their life. There's a hole I believe every one of us are born with. There's an, an empty spot that I believe everybody's born with that they're looking to find something that will fill it up to fulfill them, to make them complete. And they try drugs and they try alcohol, but they're still empty. They try pornography, they try illicit relationships, but they're still empty. They try higher education and letters behind their name, but they're still empty. Until we fill that spot with Jesus Christ, we're going to continue to be empty. And I submit we need Jesus more than we need anything today. When people make things and other people, they're God. The truth is they're not living for God. It's idolatry. It's sin. The insanity part is this. 
When a person knows that I've tried all this stuff to fill that empty spot in my heart, I've tried all that stuff to fill that empty spot in my soul, but it didn't do it. But they still keep on trying to find something else to fill that empty spot besides Jesus. That's insanity. That makes absolutely no sense. Here's the definition that I've always worked with for insanity, and that's this. Trying to do the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. Well, I hit my toe with a hammer and and it hurt, but maybe if I hit my toe with a hammer again tomorrow, it won't hurt. Duh. Well, I'm going to continue to live in this illicit relationship and, and expect my life to get better. I'm going to continue to be a drunk. I'm going to continue to be a drug addict. I'm going to continue to, to, to view the things on the Internet I know I shouldn't be looking at and see if something doesn't turn around in my life. Duh. Insanity. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says that it's the work of the God of this age, or Satan himself. To put blinders over your eyes. It's it's the work of the enemy to to, to bring blindness to the mind, to bring insanity to the mind. And I believe the enemy is working overtime to create a sense of insanity. The things we're seeing going on in our society today, the only explanation I can give you is they have been blinded by the devil, they've been blinded by the God of this age, and their minds are insane because he's put blinders on them. Can I tell you? person who continues to live in sin and expect things to get better is insane. If we continue to to believe we can live under some of the the policies that are going on in our land, if we believe we can continue to live under some of the the dictatorship that's happening in our society today, if we believe we can continue to promote uh, the differences in uh, in, in race and we can continue to promote the differences in people because of their sexual orientation or or we can let a five-year-old kid make up their mind about whether they're going to be a boy or a girl, friend, that's insanity. truth is sin leads to death the truth is sin leads to destruction and hurting other people you know the truth about sin is this sin doesn't just hurt the person who's sinning but many times the sin of an individual hurts the other people that are in their life their friends their family members their loved ones your sin trickles downhill to to even your own children the truth is sin will bring ruin and destruction and the truth is, is that sin is insanity. Some things I want to share with you today about the insanity of sin from this, from this story about this demonically possessed man. The very first thing I see is this. It's insane to live among dead people. Look at verse 2 and 3. Verse 2 in the Word says this, And when he, Jesus, had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. He had his dwelling among the tombs. Praise God, my Jesus didn't come to bring me a living in a place of death, but he came to bring me life and life more abundantly. The Word says that this demon-possessed man lived among the tombs. Very different from the understanding that we have today of a graveyard. Some of you may know, some of you may not know. Brother Alan Reynolds uh, works as uh, as a part of a uh, 
graveyard crew digging digging graves and uh, and doing the the ceremony or the services and uh, and being a part of uh, of families in their last hours of mourning the tombs where this demon possessed man lived were much different than the graveyard where brother allen has to go and work at every day the tombs were a place where they would place the dead body a typical tomb in the time of jesus was a kind of a cave that was cut out of a rocky cliff they would put the, the body there. They would wrap that body in, in, clothe, in, in, in cloth. And, and then they would take that body and place it inside that tomb and lay it out on a stone slab where there it would be for 30 days of mourning. The family had time to come and go during that, that time frame to, to anoint that body with oil, to put out fragrant perfume so that it wouldn't smell quite as bad as the body began to decay. But that tomb was there initially for that body to be placed in. After the final respects were paid, after that 30 days had came and went, either a large stone was rolled across the entrance or many stones would be stacked up to close that entrance. And many times the outside of the tomb would be whitewashed or painted white to let the people who passed by that way know that there was a body that was buried inside of it and that was an unclean area and you needed to avoid it altogether. Now after a time period of about a year, the family members would return to that tomb and they'd collect all the bones and they'd place them in a box called an ossuary. The ossuary would be uh, placed back in the tomb after they put the bodies of their deceased loved one inside that stone box, inside that stone ossuary. That would be the place where those bones would rest from, from that time forward until they finally decayed. Now think with me just for a minute. The place of the tombs would have been a place of great decay. It would have been a place of great order, uh, odor. Uh, it would have been a place that stunk so horribly bad because of all of these decaying bodies that were around there. It would have been a place that was depressing. It, it would have been a place that was overwhelming. It would have been a place of great despair. And that's the place where this demonically possessed man chose to live. I'm going to go hang out in the midst of all the death. I'm going to go hang out in the midst of all the stench. I'm going to go hang out in the midst of all the grossness that's going on there in the tombs. By living in the middle of all the death, honestly, it became a part of him. He grew to be a part of it. it the smell of that place must have clanged to him. Every time he would begin to live there... I've shared with you before about when we pastored that church in Kyoto, Oklahoma. There was a, a convenience store there. That's where all the old men gathered on uh, Monday mornings to tell their lies and uh, talk to one another and gossip. I know we think just old women do that sort of thing, but old men do that kind of thing too, y'all. I wanted, I was new to the community, so I wanted to, to, to get to know some of these older guys. And so I'd go in there and I'd grab me a Mountain Dew and I'd, I'd go sit down with them and talk. Well, at that point in time, back in the, gosh, Vonda, what was it, 1989, something like that? That's when we got married. Okay, 1998. That was, that's closer. Let's do that one. <laughs> Inverted, reversed. At that particular point in time, it was okay for people to smoke cigarettes inside of a convenience store and inside of a restaurant. And so you'd walk in that place and some days I'd just go in and grab me a Mountain Dew off the rack and hit my truck and come back and I'd just take that Mountain Dew bottle and go, whoa, 
It's like drinking a big old Marlboro. Glory to God. That's awesome. You'd go in there and you'd hang out with those guys and talk to those guys and try to love on those guys. By the time you made it to your pickup truck, you smelled like you'd been smoking all day long. For this insane man who lived among the dead, that smell would have just hung on him. But here's the thing. Once you live in it long enough, you don't smell it anymore. You get to the place where it's called being nose blind. My mom and daddy both smoked when I was a little kid growing up. My grandpa and grandma both smoked when I was a little kid growing up. My granddad and grandma, when they passed away, dad was elected to be the one to go to the house, to paint the house, to get it ready to sell on the inside. And we'd take pictures down off the wall and there would be a white place behind where the picture had been hanging and the rest of the wall was yellow and nicotine stained. And I can remember when I was a little kid not smelling that smell, not understanding that smell. When I was out doing the honky-tonking thing that, that I regret now in my life. Listen, I would go to those places and I'd come home and I'd smell like smoke because I'd been in a smoky place. And I'd walk in the house and couldn't tell any difference. Right. To live among dead people is crazy. It's insane. <laughs> no question. For this man in this story to live where he was living, he was not in his right mind. Can I tell you today that the world we live in today is a place filled with dead things? The book says, in the, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12, that there's a way that seems right to man, but its way is the, the way of death. Well, the world is leading the, the rest of the world to a place of death. And we fall right in. And we're at a place where we can't smell it no more. I don't want to be a soapbox preacher. I don't. Do you know? <laughs> I walked in the car place last week. I was getting my oil changed. There was an elder, elderly gentleman sitting in there off by himself. And they had the TV going. One of the greatest programs of all time was on. It was Andy and Opie and Aunt B. I walked in and I sat down beside the old man and I didn't have to say a word to him. I, I was watching that television set and he looked over at me and he said, they just don't make programs like this anymore, do they? Do you know the mainstay on the television today is, has got to be about some homosexuality. It's got to be about some transgenderism. And, and we as the world are just supposed to eat that hook, line, and sinker. We're just supposed to live among dead people and act like there's no problem with it whatsoever. We watch smut and garbage and we listen to smut and garbage on our, our radios and our televisions and, and through the computer that's in our house. And we act like there's no problem with that. All of my cliche thoughts are with you today. <laughs> Anybody ever boiled a frog? I fried a few, yes. Just the leg part. Anybody ever boiled a frog? Do you know how you boil a frog? 
you put him in a, a pot of cold water to begin with because that old frog will sit there in that cold water and he'll, he'll last in that cold water just as long as, as he's comfortable. And then you turn that heat up just a little bit underneath that frog and the frog doesn't notice it because the temperature changes so slow and so gradual. If you put a frog in a pot of boiling water, he'd jump back out because it's too much for him to take. But if you turn the heat up slowly and turn the heat up slowly and turn the heat up slowly, the next thing you know, you got a big pot of boiled frog. We're living in a world, in a society where they continue to turn the heat up gradually, little bit by little bit by little bit. And we eat it. There's dead people all around us. The truth is, if we're not careful, we'll grow accustomed to the stench of death and become nose blind. Insanity. We might be living in this world, but we're not called to be a part of the world. The Word of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. Let's hearken back to the place of the tomb that was unclean. Don't touch what's unclean. Don't live among the dead. Well, pastor, how are we going to touch people? How are we going to pull people out? How are we going to change people's lives if we're not out there among them? Listen, friend, you can be among them, but you don't have to be like them. We're supposed to be the influencer, not the influenced. We're supposed to be the stronger in the relationship to lead people to Jesus instead of allowing them to lead you away from Jesus. And if you're not strong enough to to, to be the the leader of the relationship, then get away from them people. I've seen so many little girls marry some hairy-legged, ugly boy. All us guys are ugly in comparison. Come on. And think, I'm going to change him. I'll marry him and I'm going to change him. He won't be that same wild child. He won't be that same idiot fool that I know him to be. Once God gets a hold of him, me and God can fix him. Listen, God's got a whole lot better chance of fixing him than you've got. It's one of the greatest risks that you can take in your life. It's entering into a relationship with somebody who's dead in the world. While you're trying to be alive and in the light and think that you're going to change them. You can't change somebody unless God changes them. Whoo, Lordy. What do we need to know about the insanity of sin? We need to understand, guys, it's insane to live among the dead. Another thing we need to understand today about the insanity of sin is this. It's insane to live life without any restraints whatsoever. Look at verses 2 through 4. Verse 2 in the word of the Lord says, And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broke into pieces, neither could anyone tame him. You're going to really like this part. You've been just in there so strong. You might not always think about it this way. 
And it might not resonate with everybody in this room, but the fact is restraints can be a really good thing. When a person's involved in a car accident, the restraint of the seatbelt or the airbag is a really good thing. When a person's driving a car at night and they begin to drift off to sleep and they pull over to the shoulder and they hit those rumble strips, the restraint of the rumble strips are a really good thing. And when a person is driven by lust of the flesh or pride of life, the restraints of the Word of God are a really good thing. Yes, I know Jesus Christ is a chain breaker. Yes, I know whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Yes, I know He came to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. But friend, He came to break the, chain, the chains of sin off of our lives. And the fact is, you're going to serve somebody. You're going to be a servant, a slave to somebody. And you can either serve the world and be a slave to the world, or you can serve Almighty God and be a slave unto Him. Paul the Apostle identifies himself as a slave unto Jesus. Wow. The Word of God says this man lived among the dead without restraint. They placed shackles and chains on him and he'd pull them apart. He'd break them to pieces. Nobody could tame him. Pastor, why did they put shackles and chains upon this wild man? Why did they put shackles and chains upon a man who lived among the tombs? They put shackles and chains upon him to keep him from hurting himself any further or hurting anybody else that would approach him or be around him. There's a lot of people in the world today who are living without restraint. They do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it, with whoever they want to do it with. The mentality, the mantra of the society we're living in today is if it feels good, go ahead and do it. How could God, being a good God, forbid me from doing something that feels so good? Listen, even God has boundaries that we're supposed to function and operate in. If it feels good, do it. And that mentality, that mindset of if it feels good, do it, winds up hurting themselves and winds up hurting the people around them as well. We've got to have some restraints. We've got to have some boundaries. We've got to have speed limits. We've got to have laws. We've got to have guardrails. Otherwise, the world we're living in turns upside down and becomes even more helter-skelter than it is today. The best restraint we possibly can have is that of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says, If we'll walk in the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Man, I want to walk in the Spirit of Almighty God. I want the Holy Ghost to be leading me. I want the Holy Ghost to to be my mindset and not if it feels good, do it. The more control, come on. The more control that you allow Jesus to have on your life, the less control the world has on your life. James chapter, excuse me, those are the restraints I was supposed to show to you, I forgot. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit unto God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Do you understand that submitting to God is restraints? If I submit my life unto God, that means I'm going to live by His Word. I'm going to live by His truth. I'm going to live by His principles and His precepts. And I'm not going to do just whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. 
Paul asked the Galatians, <laughs> they must have really, they must have really messed up. They must have really came to a place where they'd made some, some mistakes. One of the scriptures that stands out so strongly to me in the book of Ephesians is where Paul says, Who cut in on you? Who, who interrupted your pursuit? Who cut you off at the pass? Who interrupted you? Who stepped in on your pursuit? At one time you were serving God so strong. At one time you were doing the things that I had taught you that you should be living by. The things that you should be doing for the glory of God. But now you've forsaken them. Who cut you off on your race with God? They stopped living without restraints. Why do people fall away from God? Why, why do people stop attending church? Well, that preacher made them mad. You know what? If the preacher made them mad, they were looking for a reason to get mad. I'll be just as real with you today as you'll be with me. How about that? Too many times people are looking for an excuse. They're looking for a reason. Well, they keep it so cold in there, I just couldn't go. Well, you know, the preacher's wife, she didn't even shake my hand. It's all right, she don't shake my hand neither. <laughs> Get him a blanket. I trade places with any of you, and you see how cold it is off up in here. Why do people really give up going to church, and why do people really give up on God? See, I've seen it too many times, guys, where people say, well, I'm not going to that church. I'm going to go to this church over here. And then I'll go to this church over here. And then I'll go to this church over here. <laughs> and then I'll go to this church over here. And in about two years, they end up back at this church they started out at. The, the carousel. When we pastored in Muskogee, Oklahoma, when we first went there, there were eight Assembly of God churches, y'all. And there was a group of people that would go to this one, and then they'd go to that one, and then they'd go to that one, and then they'd go to that one. Well, this guy made me mad over here. This one made me mad over here. This one made me mad over here. Do you know what they were finding? They were looking for? They were looking for a place where their flesh could be pleased. Oh, sweetheart, let me... Let me just tickle your ears and, and, and pat your feathers down. And you're just, you're just the most precious adherent that any church could ever hope to have. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm on jail. Glory. Why do people leave churches? Why do people give up on God? Because they cast off restraint. I don't want to be restricted. I don't want to be restrained. I don't want to have to go to church. I don't want to have to go to Sunday school. I mean, come on. I'm not going to let some guy, I mean, he's not even from down here. I'm not going to let him tell me what to do. No, I'm not asking you to let me tell you what to do. Let the Word of God tell you what to do. If we'll listen to the Word of God, I promise you this much, we'll stay within the restraints that God has for us. We'll be submitting ourselves unto God and resisting the devil. 
Because here's the truth. When we hurt ourselves, when we step outside the restraints, I feel like I could preach till about 4 o'clock. Y'all up for that? (laughs) When we step outside the restraints that God has for us, we're cutting off our nose to spider face. We end up hurting ourselves. Who am I hurting? Me. But you know what? It doesn't, doesn't end with me. I made a post a couple of weeks ago about how uh, if, if the husband, if the daddy will go to church, then there's a 97% chance that the rest of the family will go to church with him. If I'm hurting my family through hurting myself, the Bible talks about this demon-possessed man. The Bible says that he cut himself with stones. He hurt himself because he lived outside of the shackles. He lived outside of the restrictions. He lived outside of the restraints. He lived outside of the love of God. And so he ended up hurting himself. And I have to understand and believe that this man had some family Man, Uncle John, you know, he lives over among the tombs. He used to be a part of our family. Man, he could deep fry a turkey like nobody else. (laughs) I miss old Uncle John. You know what he does now? He lives up there among them dead people. And he gets drunk every week. Every time I go by to see him, he's... He's always drunk and it just breaks my heart. He lost all of his family. Aunt Betty, she ran off because he beat on her when he'd get drunk. Y'all making any sense out of any of this? It's insane to live among dead people. And it's insane to cast off the restraints of the Word and the love of Almighty God. I've seen it time and time again. Families were broken apart and destroyed because people lived without restraint. I've seen it time and time again where divorce happened. Children were abused because people cast off restraint. What do we need to know about the insanity of sin? It's it's insane to live without restraint. One more thing I've got to share with you today. It's insane to live without Jesus. Look with me at verse 6. Verse 6 says, when, when he saw Jesus, this man who was out of his mind, this man who lived among dead people, this man who couldn't be shackled, this man who couldn't be changed, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshipped him. <laughs> Jesus is the answer for the world today. What's the answer for the politician, Jesus? What's the answer for COVID, Jesus? What's the answer for uh, critical race theory being taught in our schools, Jesus? What's the answer for Russia and Ukraine, Jesus? What's the answer for the truckers in Canada, Jesus? What's the answer for the dictator leadership happening in our world today, Jesus? The Word says this man who lived among the dead, this man who lived without restraint, at least he had the wherewithal when he saw Jesus. i got to get to Jesus. 
So many in this world today have such great need in their lives. Insanity has controlled them. Insanity has ruled their every decision. They don't make logical in their mind sane decisions. They make decisions based upon if it feels good. They make decisions based upon what I can gain from it. They make decisions that quite honestly are illogical and insane. And ultimately what happens? They end up harming themselves and the people around them. What they need the most is Jesus. I've said it before and I'll say it again. They don't need a better performance from a better preacher. They don't need more lights. They don't need more fog. They don't need a, a better facility. They don't... The, these things may draw people to the building. But what happens if this building burns down tomorrow? What do we have to offer them when the building's gone? This church did church for a long time in a cafeteria. And I believe that there were probably people being saved when they were having church in the cafeteria. If the only thing we have to offer them is a building. If the only thing we have to offer them is stuff. Then when the stuff's gone, so will the people be. They don't need more of our stuff, y'all. They need Jesus. And so we better be offering Jesus every time the doors are open. And even when the doors aren't open, we better be offering Jesus to everybody we come into contact with. The really good news today is this. Jesus stands with His arms wide open. His arms wide open. Come to me, he says, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You ever been real tired? Are you here? Have I been too raw and too real for you today? I sure hope not. Because it's going to get worse tonight. I need you to come back tonight. Yep. <laughs> Ever been real tired? Been, been so tired that you couldn't sleep? I, I, <laughs> maybe I'm the only one that happens to. Have you ever woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning and your brain's just going... That was a Kawasaki catching all three gears. <laughs> Sometimes my brain is like a, a machine. <laughs> and it just won't turn off. And you can be exhausted, physically exhausted, physically tired. <laughs> We've gotten to the place at the Dotson house where we keep a bottle of melatonin on the, the table in between of us and we're popping drugs before we go to bed every night. <laughs> it's not addictive, okay? Just calm down. But it will make you dream some weird dreams. I'm just... 
your brain just won't turn off. And you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and you cannot go back to sleep. And you flip and you flop and you toss and you turn. And you flip and you flop and you toss and you turn. And no matter how hard you try, no matter how many late night infomercials you watch, you can't go back to sleep. Does anybody else besides me ever do that? And it's not that I'm, I'm not physically tired, but I'm, I get to the place where I'm mentally, emotionally, my mind is tired. Weary and heavy laden. All the junk, all the crud, all the stuff going on. He says, come to me. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, all of you who, whose mind won't turn off, come to me and I'll give you rest. Man, it's insane not to run to Jesus. Because He can take us from that place of the insanity of sin back to the place of being in our right mind one more time. If you read on in this story in the book of Mark chapter 5 verse 15, what you'll find is that the word says, Then they came to Jesus and they saw the one who had been demon possessed and, and had the legion sitting clothed and in his right mind. Clothed and in his right mind. You know, when I, when I did this study, I hadn't brought it out yet today, but I, I think it's important to say, when Jesus looked at that demonically possessed man, and he knew there was a demon inside of him, and Jesus said, what's your name? And the angel responded and said, I am legion, for we are many. Do you know, just a tad bit of a drop in your bucket, something to understand and get a hold of, do you know that in the time of Jesus that a Roman legion, a legion of Roman soldiers was counted at 6,000 men? 6,000 men. So I'm not saying there were 6,000 demonic spirits inside this man, but the demonic spirit itself said, we're legion. Six thousand tormenting spirits. Six thousand opportunities of voices working inside this man's head to get him to reject Jesus, to get him to run from Jesus instead of running to Jesus. The Bible says when he saw Jesus, he got up and ran to him. And by the time he got finished with his Jesus encounter, the Bible says that now he was sitting, he was up, he was clothed. And his mind came back again. I wonder today what it takes for people to get in their right mind. Jesus is the only hope the world has. I will never be the most educated pastor you ever sat underneath. I'm not half as good looking as Brother Chasen. If you ever had an opportunity to amen me, that was it, okay? 
<laughs> I was talking to Jason, not you. <laughs> I love y'all. I'll never be the smartest pastor you have. I probably will never be the most talented pastor you ever have. Not the best looking, obviously. Not the skinniest. <laughs> Not the hairiest. But you'll struggle to find one that will tell you more about Jesus. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is a life through Christ Jesus. The gift of God. Guys, it's insane to, to live out there in the world. It's insane to, to make your residence, to be in the world, to be a part of the world. It's insane to live without any restraints on your lives. And it's insane not to run to Jesus. Amen. We need Him every day of our lives. You need Him in your marriages and your relationships. If your marriages and your relationships are not established with Jesus at the, the centerpiece, at the focal point of your, your relationship, then friend, you're missing it. There's a young couple... <laughs> She celebrated her 24th birthday this week. Miss Mary Burns. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. <laughs> Ronnie and Mary have been married 599 years. He found her off down in the bottoms hoeing peas. That's what he told me. She was about 12 years old. He went to her daddy. And said, I'd sure, like to, I'd sure like to buy Mary a ring. And her daddy looked at Ronnie and said, if Mary needs a ring, I'll buy her one. <laughs> Not stretching these stories. These are the ones they tell me, okay? I'm just repeating what I've heard. He went to her house to go see her and her hair was all up in curlers and she was in panic mode trying to get lined out before this good-looking young fellow walked in her house. They've been in love, and they've been married for a long time. Yeah. You're an inspiration. How many years, Mary? 68 years. 68 years. That's longer than most of us have been alive. 68, Father God, y'all deserve like an award or something. Wow. I know how spunky she is. You deserve a reward, Brother Ronnie. Wow. Why do you suppose 68 years came and went? Because them people's been serving God together their entire marriage. They put Jesus, they put Jesus right here. I'm going, to, I'm going to see you through the eyes of Christ, and you're going to see me through the eyes of Christ, and that's the way we're going to live. Right. Right. Yes. 
We need to run to Him for our marriages. We need to run to Him for our finances. I'm preaching a lot longer and a lot better than some of you liking right now. If you don't let Jesus make your financial decisions for you, friends, your finances are going to fail. Cut and dry, plain and simple. You will not outgive God. You will not outdo God. You, you, you cannot outlove God. You cannot outbless God. If you're allowing Him to make your decisions for your finances, then I promise you, your shoes are going to last longer. The tires on the car is going to last longer. The washer and the dryer is going to last longer. Oh, I need a new one. I want a, an avocado green one. If you, if you wasn't so particular, that avocado green one you had back in 1970, it'd probably still be working. We need Jesus. We need Jesus in our schools. Our children are so confused. Our children are so messed up. And, and people can say what they want to say. They, they can think what they want to think. But our children lost a year because of COVID. Our children need Jesus. Our marriages need Jesus. Our, our churches, the churches of America today, need Jesus to be back in the pulpit. Oh, it's insane to live without Jesus. Oh, Sister Julie, I need your help. Man, I love you guys. I'm so grateful and so thankful that you let me preach to you and that you come back to put up with week after week. Man, I love, I love my God. I love y'all. And because I love you the way I do and because I love Him the way I do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my very best I can to lead you to heaven. I wouldn't be much of a pastor. I sure wouldn't be much of a shepherd if I didn't do everything in my power. You're not going to stand before God and say, well, Pastor Gary didn't tell me. I'm not going to give you that opportunity. I will not. I will not. One day we all will stand before the Lord. And the only answer we have is Jesus. Why do you deserve to be here? How am I to tell you good and faithful servant? Why should I tell you good and faithful servant? Well, I did this or I did that or I had this or I had that or I, I was the preacher, I was the Sunday school teacher, I was this, I was... All of that will fail. All of that will fail. The only answer we have is know your son he came and lived in my heart he took away the sin from my life and I never went back to it I, I, I did my best every day to live for you his blood covers me 
Look for my name. It's in the book. Look for my name. It's in the book. I know it's there. My name is in that book. God loves us, how much we have to gain, and how much there is to, to get out of our lives. Would you stand with me today, please? Would you bow your heads, please, all around this room? thank you first and foremost God thank you thank you for healing my body God when I woke up this morning I felt so bad but you touched me and you healed me and you enabled me Lord to be able to minister God I'm so thankful thank you God for putting your word in my heart that I could share God thank you for a relevant word an important word Thank you for a timeless word that we needed today. Lord, I pray over my friends, everybody in this room, everybody under the sound of my voice. God, may the Holy Spirit right now begin to knock at their heart, to woo them, to draw them, that if there be any remnant of sin, if there be any just a, the, the smell, the fragrance of sin, God, may the Holy Spirit reveal it. Might we acknowledge it and allow the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse it. Lord, to know to do right and to choose not to do it is sin. But Lord, to know to do right and to choose not to do it is also insane. It makes no sense. It is illogical. It, it doesn't have any reason to it at all. God, right now, I'm asking you, Lord, touch hearts. In Jesus' name. Please, with eyes closed, with heads bowed. If you're here this morning, Holy Spirit's beginning to deal with you. No one's looking around. It's just me and you, friend. It's just me and you. You're not standing before judgmental, critical spirits of people. You're not standing before a judgmental, critical pastor. I love you. God loves you. More importantly, He loves you. If you're in this room, you need Jesus to remove sin, no matter how big or how small. Sin separates us from God. Sin is insane. Pastor, I need sin gone. Would you lift your hand right now? Come on, anywhere in this room. Pastor, I need it gone. Thank you, Lord. Amen, sister. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. 
sir. Amen. Here's the thing. Church doesn't save you. Preacher doesn't save you. The Bible says it's so simple, it's so easy. It says that we'll just believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. We believe in Him. We confess Him. His life, His death, His resurrection, that He's the only way of salvation. Believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and Him raised from the dead. We can be saved. Sin can be gone, eradicated. And then how do we stay clean? How do we stay pure? We allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us continually. Lead, guide, and direct those who are led of the Spirit. Won't give in to the lust of the flesh. Here in a moment, I'm going to ask for those that lifted their hand to come and find a place at the front of the church. But before I say anything else, I want to, I want to talk to the to the church. I want to talk to the believers. Guys, we've, we've got to live under the authority of the Word of God. We've got to live under the restraints of the Word of God. God set me free, Pastor. Yes, He set you free to live for Him. You were living for the devil, but now you have the opportunity to live for Him. You don't have to keep my list of rules. That's between me and the Holy Spirit. I know what He tells me to do. But you do have to be open and receptive to the voice of God and listen to what He tells you to do. I believe that word says, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Our own salvation. Church, not only do we need to be recipients of the love of God but we need to be givers of the love of God as well I want to ask you all across this room you know somebody who's living an insane life right now you know them by name I'm going to ask you to pray this morning and ask the Lord the Holy Spirit to give you the, the opportunity and the time the words to speak talk to them about the insanity of sin take some time tonight before we walk out the door before we head out to lunch let's just take some time and spend it in the altars come and find your place here at the front or turn and make an altar where you're at if you lifted your hand for salvation please meet with me at the front I want to pray with you personally and lead you in that relationship with Christ God bless you today as you pray
precious Father, Savior, sweet Holy Spirit, I love you. I'm so thankful for you. Thank you that you were here with us this day. Thank you for the revelation of your word. Lord, please bring us back tonight that we might glean from your word. God, grow in your word. Get even stronger in your word. Lord, in these last days, we need more, not less. Put a stirring in our hearts, oh God, for more of you and less of the world. Walk with us today, God. Protect these people I love so much. Bring us back together to praise you and to honor you. I ask it all in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Hope to see you tonight.